Well, Dream Sunday. I love Dream Sunday. And uh, we're coming to the end of the year, and I love this time of year. Sun's out. People are beginning to think about finishing up. But I love doing Dream Sunday now because this gives us an opportunity to dream. And really, it gives us a framework to go into our summer holidays. Uh, many people finish the year, and it's just Ugh, like this. Um, but I'm believing this year that as we enter our summer breaks, that people are going to go into it excited. They're going to go in dreaming about the years ahead. Because uh, in every season, God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. Uh, he has a plan that's bigger than any plan that we've got, and it's for us to take hold of that plan, and it's for us to walk in it. And I love the series that we started, Do You See What I See? Just turn to your neighbor and say, Do You See What I See? Uh, I really believe God right now is asking that question, Do You See What I See? But uh, he's also asking us to ask that of one another because how many know if we hear from God, and I believe a lot of people have heard from God over the fast. The fast has brought clarity, it's brought an openness where people have been able to tune in and hear God. But it's like God wants us to ask that of one another because if God's speaking to an individual and he's speaking to another individual and another individual and another individual, how many know he's not saying different things? In fact, when God speaks to us individually, it's normally to bring us together because together we can do a whole lot more. And I'm so thankful for what God has done in the church this year. But I'm just really excited for what He's about to do. And if we can see what God sees, I believe you know God's going to continue to do amazing things in our world right now. You know, in our world, there's a lot of forces at work that are trying to separate and divide and in a lot of ways create angst among people. There's a lot of angst out there. There's just a cloud hovering from the last season that we've been through because let's face it, this last season, last couple of years have been disruptive and in a lot of places it's been divisive. Uh, I love uh, the fact that when it comes to God, God enables us to, to see and know the future. A lot of people through what they've been through are, are apprehensive and even shy when it comes to dreaming because it's like, man, I don't know if we can predict anything. But how many are glad we serve the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end? God wasn't surprised by COVID. In fact, God worked in COVID. And yes, this last season may have been disruptive, but even in a disruptive season, God's plan prevails. And, and some of us feel like it's, it's like a bird's calm. And, and I know I've shared this picture before. It's done its business on our windscreen. It's dropped something on our windscreen and we've turned on the window wiper and all it's done is just smeared that crap right across the screen. And it's like we're looking at the future through the crap of what's been. And I feel like God, through the water of His Spirit, just wants to come and He wants to wash that windscreen so that we can really take hold of the future that God has ahead of us. And, and to dream is, is a big thing. Uh, Michael Maiden, many of us know his testimony, how he went through a horrid time. He, he went through a, a time that left them in the depths of despair. He was dis depressed. But he, he, he would say that he knew his heart was healed because God led him through and gave him strategies as to how he could, he could walk forward. And he said he knew his heart was healed when he could dream again. Now, I, I want to say, you know, there's people in this place right now, you're struggling to dream. But God wants to heal your heart and bring you to a place where you can dream again. Dreams are part of the inheritance of a believer and God wants us to live with dreams, vision, purpose, and life. He doesn't want us to walk aimlessly or carelessly. And I love the fact that when it comes to God, God works in every season. Now, we're, we as a church, Equipus Church, uh, uh, I, I want to say we're a disruptive movement. Um, there's, there's 
companies that have been disruptive in, in different industries. You, you think of Uber, you know, they disrupted the, the transportation or the taxi industry. There's Airbnb, that they were disruptive when it came to the hotel and accommodation industry. I really believe there's a call and there's a mandate on Equipus Church to be disruptive. Uh, one thing we're not is we're not a group of people who just sit back and wonder what could happen. In fact, I, I really feel in my spirit there's a prophetic mandate on us to be a forerunner, to, to pave the way for others to follow in. Because, you know, in a world today, it's so easy just to go be overwhelmed and even paralyzed and, and to sit back and to wait and to wonder rather than getting busy with God's purpose. Yeah, I love the fact when it came to shout over the last two years during the pandemic, we were able to run shout. Um, do you know there was a lot of people outside of our movement who weren't surprised that we were able to go ahead in the last few years because they thought, well, if anybody's going to give it a go, if anybody's going to be crazy enough to believe it, it's actually Equipper's Church. And uh, by God's grace and by God's timing, you know, we were able to pull off shout in 2020. And I work out we were the largest Christian gathering, if not gathering in the world, because the world had closed down. But here we were in the Spark Arena in July with 4,000 people lifting up the name of Jesus. Man, man, man God's good. And, uh, you know, we thought it was a miracle at the time, but in hindsight, it was a bigger miracle than what we realized. You know, even last year, 2021, you know, we had shout and we just take it, took it for granted that the pandemic's finished. Then come August, we went into a four-month four lockdown. And, and it's like, you know, I, I just feel like there's something on us as a church to disrupt. Come on, to, to not settle, to disrupt the status quo. To, to disrupt a self-centered religiosity that's all concerned about convenience and comfort. Welcome to Equipus Church. This is not a comfortable church. Come on, I, I feel like we're called to disrupt institutions that removes ministry from everyday ordinary people, where people have embraced a church and a, and a philosophy of church that locates ministry and puts it in the hands of a few people. We're here to disrupt that because the New Testament church is that every believer, everybody who calls himself a follower of Jesus is a minister. We're here to disrupt, you know, the powers of darkness. We're here to disrupt evil, the evil that's in our society right now. Come on, we're here to disrupt the lies of the enemy. And by the nature of the church, we're called to be disruptive. Well, we're not a nice church. In fact, I went to a church some years ago and they asked me to give an assessment of where they were. And I walked in and, and I said, oh, it's nice. It's all neat. There's nice people. People are friendly. They're kind. But just hearing about them, you know, you find out that they hadn't seen a salvation for years. And I go, oh, the church is nice. That's a nice church. And I said, you know, to them, I just said, oh, you, you, you got a nice church. But I wasn't giving them a compliment. Because actually, if you understand the origins of the word nice, it means to be ignorant and unaware. And, and in there, they just said, well, we don't want to be nice. How many know nice doesn't change the world? And, and we're called and we're commissioned to change the world. And I really feel even in this place today, God wants to disrupt some things in people's lives because you're searching for convenience and comfort, but you're born for an adventure. Yeah, and I wanna say when it comes to our church vision, our church vision is not a new vision, it's just bigger. You know, we used to be one location, now we've got something like 48 locations around the world. We're heading in the same direction, but how many know we're further along the path than we ever were? And, and because we've got all these new locations, it's like, oh God, you wanna do more. Uh, this year, we said right at the beginning of the year, we're gonna go big. In 2022, we have gone big. We're, we have gone big. We're, we started this year with four locations in Auckland. Four locations. Now we've got seven locations. 
Uh, we sent people east and we sent people west. Uh, I thought the Westies would get a little bit more excited by that. We sent people east and we sent people west. And, and, and we sent people even to a church in Onihanga that has got a relationship uh, with us as a church. Se- seven locations from four. We've, we're, we're, we've gone big. We've spread out. But how many know in that going big has created a whole lot of gaps? It's created stretch. You know, in that we've had to find some new facilities to meet in. And that we're still looking for some more money to fund those facilities. You know, but it's required something of us. It's required more volunteers. It's required more musicians. It's required more kids leaders. It's required more hospitality. It's required more hosts. It's required more people to step up when it comes to e-groups. I'm a great believer. If you create the space, God will fill the gaps. And the gaps that have been created has brought actually about a greater involvement, a greater participation, which has got to be a good thing, doesn't it? Because that's the church where everybody plays a part, where everybody does its share. And and what happens when that takes place is the church edifies itself. It builds itself up in love. That's the church moving. You know, I wanna say, if you're at Equipage Church, there's always gonna be gaps. It's never gonna be nice and neat. It's always gonna be a little bit messy because where there's people, especially when there's new people coming in, new disciples, which is what we're called to reach out and which is what we're called to bring in a harvest, there's gonna be mess. Proverbs says, where there's no oxen in the trough, the trough is clean. But much strength comes from the power of an ox. And, and we've got a strength right now because we have spread out. A lot of people think, well, I don't see everybody together. But actually, there's a strength because there's more people in ministry, more people serving, more people reaching out, and more people determined to fulfill the purpose of Christ. You know, I think about what we're doing internationally. You know, internationally, I want to say, man, that's exciting. We're on the tipping point of something incredible. Uh, the seeds that we have planted, they've been watered and now they have grown in many places. They have grown in places like England, church, reaching over a thousand people in Germany, well over a thousand, 1,500 people, Philippines, over a thousand people as well. Significant churches in those places. In Italy, the church is growing from strength to strength. You know, we've got new church plants in Fiji and Slovakia and Budapest and Mexico, you know, India. We built a building in Ghana. Uh, we built it. It's a revolutionary, disruptive building because many people look at the building and go, is that a church? It's, it's making a noise right now. In fact, I was just with, in this last week, uh, apostolic leaders from around the world were part of a, a movement called the Apostolic Church and they brought all the movement leaders from around the world. And you know, in a place like Ghana, they've got 4,000 churches uh, in Nigeria um, it's reaching something like in the uh, 10 million people. So these are, these are big movements. But what they've recognized is that they're losing young people. And the bigger churches don't even realize it. The leader of the movement got up, he did a session and he said, what's scary is in these big churches, we're losing young people and we don't even know it because they're big. And we've got a crisis and And just through talking to him, he goes, I really feel like you guys, being New Zealand equippers, are called to help us in this crisis. And he said, well, we've done, you know, he was critical and instrumental in us planting in Ghana. He said, what we've done in Ghana, we need to multiply many times over. Because Ghana church, the Ghanaian church is, is reaching hundreds of young people right now. And it's like things are happening, you know, in Switzerland and all these different nations. And here we've planted a seed. It's originated in New Zealand. We planted a seed. It's grown. It's matured. But now these, these mature churches are bearing fruit, and within that fruit is a seed. And so, so it's like exponential 
things are beginning to take place. As I said, we're at a tipping point. A few days ago, I was at Equippers College London which we launched for the first time. So not only are we training people here in New Zealand, we've got training programs all over the world, but we've got full-time ministry at colleges here in New Zealand and in London. There's a lot of people who live in Europe. Don't know if you've worked that out. A lot more than what's in New Zealand. And I believe God is positioning us for a harvest, a worldwide harvest. Come on, a harvest that's gonna reach into other nations in the world. Which, man, I'm excited by because where did that start? That started with a dream. You know, I often make the joke, you know, overseas people go, oh, where are you from? And they they go, oh, New Zealand. A lot of people go, oh, is that part of Australia? How many know they swear at you when they say that? I was in a place in Brazil and they asked me that question and I went to point out on a map on the back wall where New Zealand was. And do you know, New Zealand wasn't even on the map, let alone Samoa, Tonga. You know, what the world have discounted, what the world have overlooked, come on, God wants to use. And I believe there's a divine mandate on this nation to reach the nations of the world. Come on, if you believe that, how about giving God a big clap of praise? Do you know what we've done? We have lessened the degrees of separation. Many people say it's six degrees of separation between any person and you and another person in the world. Yeah, in a lot of places, there's just one degree of separation because of equippers. Yeah, you know the need that was happening in the Ukraine as a result of the war breaking out and our pastor Muro, he was actually in the Ukraine when the sirens started. You know, do you know, we were able to give to the need there? And actually, it was our church in both Germany and Slovakia and Budapest, they were the ones on the ground meeting that need. One degree of separation between the need and us. Missions agencies couldn't act fast enough. We were in places before they could even, weeks before others could even get in because the church is mobile, the church is flexible. Do you know in Tonga, when all that happened with the the volcano and that, again, one degree of separation, we're not going through a missions agency and missions agencies do a great work, but one degree of separation between us and the need. How amazing is that? That we can have an influence in the Ukraine to what's happening there, influence in, 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 in Tonga and in India and other, all these other places because of relationship. And because you know the people you're giving the money to, you can trust that it's gonna get to the right source. You're not just giving it to an institution or organization. You're giving it to a mission that's part of who we are. I'm excited by that. You know, right across the world, how can we serve our world in moments of need? It's, it's through the network of relationships that we've got. That's why I feel like we're disruptive to even, even the church movement because institutions slow down what God wants to do. But, but we're part of this network of relationships. You, you can meet that need. We'll resource you in those places. We've, we've closed the gap. You know, across equipers worldwide, right now it's pretty hard to add up the amount of mission dollar spend simply because of the exponential power of, of seed. It's like we've sown seed. That seed's grown a tree that has fruit, and now within that fruit there's seed, and, and that seed then is multiplying, and, and again, that cycle has been reproduced time and time again. Yeah, we're not a centralized body where there's one person in control. Yeah, I'm excited by this. Because what we can achieve is far greater. I love the thought, control is the enemy of growth. Some of you need to hear that right now because you wanna be in control. As a movement, we're a decentralized movement. And I've found, listen to this, God empowers the people who don't want the power for themselves. God empowers people who don't want the power for themselves. So that's why as an equipers movement, there's not a hierarchy where one person is over it all. You know, we're just simply a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go higher in God. 
Equipus churches are connected globally. Yeah, we're connected globally, but you gotta hear this, we're governed locally. Yeah, even around New Zealand, there's local governance in every place. You know, right from the outset, when we plant a new church, the goal for that church is for it to become autonomous. So it's not reliant on external resources. Autonomous, not independent, because we need one another. See, autonomy is a sign of maturity. It's a sign that somebody's growing up when you take responsibility for your life. You know, if you're 25 and you're still dependent on your parents, something is wrong. And there's danger. Churches, you know, they grow up, but they're still dependent on, on some central institution where as we wanna grow churches, like in Manila, you know, where it's self-sufficient. Sadly, in, in Manila, in places like Manila and Indian, the, uh, India, they've been dependent on external resources. But do you know what that's meant? It's meant the people who are giving those resources can control and manipulate what's going on, on the ground. But we, we wanna place value on the Filipinos. Can't, we wanna empower them and their dream. You know, we don't want the power for the, ourselves. We wanna empower them. And so if they can be self-sufficient, but yet connected, how many know they're gonna be able to do a whole lot more? And the good news is, is our church in the Philippines and other churches around the world are self-sufficient. Come on, them, they don't need us. If we fell over, they'll keep going because they're not dependent on us. By the way, I don't intend on us falling over. Yeah, that, come on, we, we wanna see that though. We, we want this sense of autonomy because that brings maturity where you take responsibility, but we don't want independence because a mature person recognizes their limitations. And a mature person recognizes that we need each other. Come on, wherever there's a prolonged Dependency, and it increases the potential of control and manipulation. I'm believing for our west location, our east location. I'm believing for other locations. In fact, what we're believing for is 15 locations around Auckland. Auckland is spread out. It's spread out all over the place. And if we're to reach a city, which is our heart and our determination, I've often said, we're gonna reach our city or close our doors. We're not gonna do anything in between because that's religion. But what we wanna create is the West where it's self-sufficient. That's why if you're a West, it's like, come on, let's give, let's contribute, let's see this up and going so that we can see, you know, even us reach more. Maybe we need to go out to Helensville. Maybe we need to go into other spaces around there. North Shore, you know, on the North Shore, it needs, we need to go up to Millwater and Millgate and all the other mills. And we need to be in Walkworth in Jesus' name. And then Jury, Jury's gonna be a city in itself where there's hundreds of thousands of people who need to know Jesus. And we're not just gonna sit here and be comfortable and just try and you know, make it all nice and neat. Oh, we're gonna reach out. But we need those places not to depend. You know, at the moment, the city is you know, helping out in all these other places. But I'm believing quickly in 2023, we're gonna get a momentum, we're gonna get growth, and we're gonna get enlargement in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. So, so we, we believe in autonomy. It brings maturity. But then what do we do? We relate by choice. That brings power. We relate by choice, not by need, but by choice. You know, many of you know my story. I, I didn't wanna be the pastor. You know, it's like, I grew up in a pastor's home. I knew what it entailed. Me and my brothers used to have arguments over who would be the pastor. It's like, you'll be the pastor. I drew the short straw. <laughs> yeah, you know, but that wasn't ever part of my dream. It wasn't ever part of, I, I thought I'd do this. I thought I'd serve God in some way. But it's like, oh, I don't know if I want that. You know, I wanna say today, here's the thing, Dream Sunday. Don't follow your dreams. You know, we hear all the time, just follow your dreams. Just follow your dreams. But what if you got a stupid dream? What if you got a dumb dream and a shallow dream? Follow your dreams. Don't follow your dreams, follow Jesus. He knows the desires of your heart. And if you delight in Jesus, 
He'll bring those desires to pass. I didn't want this, but I found God's got a better plan for my life than I've got for myself. And some of you are busy following your selfish dream and you're just wanting God to bless your selfish dream rather than following Jesus. Don't follow your dreams, follow Jesus. He's got the best plan and purpose for your life. You know, I was speaking to Sam Chan. He's a bit of a leadership guru. And I was sharing my journey. And it's like, man, I just didn't want this pressure, leadership. But I knew that there was a grace in it. And he says, oh, Sam, it's funny. You know, you're pushing away because you don't want it. And you give leadership to other people. And he says, you know, you've got to understand there's a kingdom principle in operation. Because you give leadership away, <laughs> it comes back to you. And I'm going like, I don't want it. You do it, you do it. And it's like the more you empower, the more you give it away, the more it comes back to you. More. And I just feel like God wants to right now empower a group of people who don't want the power for themselves. In fact, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna do an eye test. Some of you are around my age and you know, just overnight, it's like your eyes go. It's like, man, I had 20-20 vision. It's like reading menus. It's like, you know, guys have to get the torch out, you know, enlarge it, or even take a photo and magnify it. How many have seen some old people do that? Yeah, you've seen some old people. Some of you are, the, yeah, okay. We're gonna do an eye test. Now, not an eye test as in the letter I, um, you know, some of us actually do need to do an eye test because eye is too front and center of everything that we're doing and that's why we can't see. Uh, but but we're gonna, what we're gonna do is an eye test and see where our vision is at because our outlook determines our outcomes. Your outlook determines your outcomes. You know, that relates to relationships. What's the outlook on your relational world right now? What outlook do you have on your marriage? Because your outlook, how you see it, how you view it, will determine what you experience. What's your outlook when it comes to your career? What's your outlook when it comes to your, your future? Your outlook determines your outcomes. What, what's your outlook when it comes to the church? How do you see the church? Is it an institution or something you attend just on a Sunday? Because ultimately your, your outlooks will determine your outcomes. Now, I, I just quickly want to take you to two passages, but I like this passage in 2 Peter chapter 2. Because listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He says, always remember. Somebody say, always remember. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. Boom. That's it. Always remember that Jesus was raised from the dead. Don't forget that. He was raised from the dead. There's a lens that we need to look at our future through. That Jesus was raised from the dead. And he goes on, and because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and I have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. It cannot be stopped. You know, pandemic, whatever, restrictions, natural. You know, it can't stop the Word of God going forward. The Word of God cannot be chained. And he goes, so I am willing, I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Question I wanna ask is what lens are you looking at your future through? Some of us are looking at our future through a smeared windscreen because we're not looking at it through the resurrected Christ. Always remember that Jesus was raised from the dead. I wonder if you viewed things through that lens, what you would see. See, viewing it through that lens changes your perspective on death, changes your perspective on failure. Because the princes of this world thought they had succeeded when they crucified Christ, but they didn't know that they actually brought about their own defeat. And we look at failure wrong, but if we looked at it through the resurrected Christ, hey, we may have stumbled, we may have fallen down, but God has a way of bringing things together and making them good if we see through the resurrection. Come on, right now, some of you are looking at dead, death and you've got no hope. Dead relationships, dead marriages, dead finances, 
But God, if He can reverse death, how many know He can reverse anything in your life? Come on, how are you looking at sickness right now? How are you looking at sin? Come on, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, all because of the resurrection. I reckon that, that should cause us to get excited. Come on, never forget that business challenge you've got going on right now. Come on, what are you going through? God is enough. God is enough. You need to know that right now. It may seem impossible, but overcoming death was impossible. But, but nothing is too difficult for God. Always remember. Come on, just turn to your neighbor. Help them know. Always remember. Always remember that Jesus was raised from the dead. But I wanna go quickly to a prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. And the, the scripture is loaded. So I'm gonna read a few verses, eight verses out. Let, let's pick it up from verse 15. It says that, He's praying this prayer. He says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Man, I'm thankful for the community that's called Equipers Church. Man, when I think about it, I go, man, we've got some amazing people in this place. And I give God thanks for the people He surrounded me with. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. So what He's saying, if you want to know God more, how many want to know God more in 2023? What you need is you need the spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation because that will give you a greater understanding of who He is. It says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Do you, do you know your understanding has eyes? And God wants the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened that you might know, get this, three things. The hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? I love that. Three things. I'm gonna come back to those three things, but I just gotta read these verses because they're cool. It says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. He's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He's commissioned us, the church, which is His body. The fullness of Him is in the church who fills all in all. Get that. Get this. To the one church who in the natural looked like they had everything. What did Paul pray for them? He prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be open. Notice, he didn't pray for these circumstances. Could it be right now, it's the things outside of you. They're not gonna kill you. Your problem right now is how you're looking at those things. Because your outlook determines your outcome. It's so easy to blame external things for inner turmoil. Oh, those people, or the church. and the, but, but really, there's an issue in us that if we left unaddressed, it's like we're looking through a smeared windscreen. But God wants to open the eyes of our understanding to three things. Number one, first thing. Number one, to the hope of His calling. The hope of His calling. What's that? It's, it's what God hoped for when He created you. What did God hope for when He created you? What did He hope for? You're not here by chance. I've been saying that purpose precedes design. Now, if you're gonna design something, first you start off with the purpose and then the design fits the purpose. Otherwise, it might look good, but it's useless. You know, what good is that? It looks pretty, it looks nice on the outside, but, but it has no purpose. Purpose precedes design. Ephesians chapter two speaks to that. It says, we are as workmanship. Whereas masterpiece, when God made you, he didn't make an accident. 
you look the way that you should look. You sound the way that you should sound. How many ever listen to themselves speak on a recording and go, do I sound like that? Come on, anybody heard that? It can be a little bit disconcerting. And that, but, but you sound the way that you should sound. You look the way that you should look. You have the gifts within you. You are his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. Listen to this. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. What are you created for? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he prepared the works beforehand. And then he said, okay, I'm gonna design you. I'm gonna fashion you. I'm gonna gift you so that you can fulfill those works. But you've got to know purpose. Some of you are upset and you're struggling right now because you're too worried about design. But design will never make sense until you first understand purpose. When you understand purpose, then you go, oh, that's why, that's why that, works that way. That's why I'm graced like that. Come on, stop getting upset about design until you understand purpose. If you don't know your purpose, guess what? How do, you'll never know whether you're successful. Do you know there's a great danger in the world that you could be successful in something that you're not created to do? That's the greatest danger, that you're successful in doing something that you're never created to do, I wanna say, you're born for kingdom purpose. You're born for mission. And come on, in the kingdom, mission and purpose are central. In fact, I'd say mission and purpose are central to self-discovery. You never fully understand yourself outside of the context of mission. You're born on purpose, you're born with a purpose, and you're born for a purpose. That's why in 2023, we're calling it a year where people are commissioned because I believe a lot of people are searching for identity. They're searching for themselves and they're thinking they're just gonna stumble along themselves. I need to find myself. Well, I never met somebody who's found themselves. You know, that's a little bit weird. Gone to countdown and looked across, oh, there's me in the line. You know, it's like, oh, I found myself. We, and then went up and I hugged that person and the two became one. And you know, that, that's never happened. Do you know the only way that you find yourself is in the context of mission? It's in the context of mission. And some of you are asking, asking questions that can't be answered because you're looking at it through the wrong lens. You know, the church without mission just becomes a religious institution. Oh, why is this church always talking about mission? Why is it always, you know, because that's what we're called for. What came first, the church or the mission? What came first? Matthew 28, go into all the world. That came before Acts chapter two, the birth of the church. Ch mission? Yeah, it's like the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. And God designed the church, the design of the church it has a purpose and it's the best vehicle that God's chosen. If you're upset at the church, God chose this vehicle, blame him. It's the best vehicle that God's chosen to accomplish his purpose. Come on, are you hearing me right now? See, until you apply the lens or the, the filter, you know, I know all the social media people use filters. Filters are meant to make things look better. I wanna say, if you apply the, the filter of mission and purpose, your life will look better. Come on, your daily setting. Mission and purpose bring, make sense to daily activities. That's why Paul said, that's why I suffer. I willingly suffer because I've got mission. The word of God cannot be chained. Now, what would it look like if you applied that filter to, come on, to your relationships? You know, a lot of relationships are in trouble because they're, they're just fighting amongst themselves. A lot of churches get in trouble because they're inward. Do you know the best way to improve yourself is to focus on others? You don't improve yourself by focusing on yourself. I just need to focus on our marriage. Yeah, your marriage may need work, but you know, the thing that probably needs work is because you've lost the purpose. 
Now, all the purpose was the kids. Now the kids are growing up and left home. You got no purpose. Can't get something that lasts for eternity. I, I just flew back from London and I flew through Qatar. Man, I've spent some big bucks. You know, you think of all the money that's going into the World Cup. I don't know who you're going for in the World Cup, but New Zealand's not there. But man, they're spending big money. The world's consumed. What, five billion people are going to view the World Cup? That's a football World Cup. Yeah, you know, going to view that. And you know, the money, it's just, what? And they're doing it for a medal that's going to tarnish and fade. They're doing it for something that's temporal. And I'm just thinking, man, the buildings that they built, you know, and these questions of how they did it. I'm not going into that. But, but you know, what? it's like, what? All for a football World Cup. And I'm going like, man, if they can do that for football, what can you and I do? For the church, the stewards, the carries, the greatest mission. I I look at things and I go, man, that's amazing. How do they do that? And I go, man, if they can do that without God, what can you and I do with God? Come on, some of us, you know, have squeezed the church. Oh, the church shouldn't be doing that. The church, why? Why why not? If it's going to fulfill mission. uh, Yeah, excellence honors God. Yeah, some of you got gifts and graces and you're excelling in your workplace. Do you know what you're doing? You're honoring God. Yeah, you're honoring God in that space. Excellence honors God. Yeah, people have a problem with excellence. Well, here's the thing. Heaven's not gonna be shabby. God dwells in a place of excellence. That's why we're gonna keep on moving forward. That's why we've got to keep on reaching beyond ourselves. Come on, let's not be a, a church that camps out. Let, let's be a, keep, a church that keeps reaching forward in Jesus' name. Equippers does not have a missions department. I want to say it's because we're all on mission. Come on, turn to your name and say, you're living on mission, living on mission. Uh, last thing I want is us to just settle and look back at what's been done. I'm saying for those who've been around equippers for a while, let's leave that and come on, let's lay hold of what God wants to do in this next season. I believe it's gonna be an exciting season. I wish I could take people who've sown in over many years around to see the, the fruit of your seed. The people, you know, come up to me and go, thank you. My life's changed. My marriage is restored. Thank you, I wouldn't know Jesus if it wasn't for this church being established here. I wish I could, because some of you, you hear the international stuff and go, oh, that's good, that's Sam's stuff. No, it's not. I don't own it. It's not me. It's us working together. And what we're gonna see is Paul prayed that we'd know the hope of his calling. The second thing he said, the riches of his inheritance in the saints. I want to say there's a treasure inside of you. You're a clay jar, but there's treasure. We can be busy pointing out what's good about other people and dismiss what's good about us. But get this, he put his inheritance, not ours, his inheritance in the saints. Where did God put his inheritance? He put it in you. His inheritance is in you. That was pretty risky. But God put His inheritance in us. And that's it. It's in the saints. It's in, it's in all of us. And what we're called to do is we're called to represent Him to the world. I love the fact that people come into Equipus Church and go, oh, how do all these people get on? We've got diversity in the room. And it's like, how do all these people get together? And sometimes I go, I don't know. The only thing I can put it down to is there's a witness, the Spirit and God, Spirit of God in me witnesses with the Spirit and God of God in another person. And that means we can overcome borders and boundaries that the world set up. Our togetherness represents God, our unity. 
represents Him. How many know if you have unity, your vision gets enlarged? You know, if it's just me and it's relying on me, there's only so much I can do. But if it's me, if it's Kit, if it's Kathy, if it's Carrie, you know, if it's all these other people, how many know suddenly we can do more? But if it's not just us, few and more, now we've got John in the Philippines, we've got Jurgen in Germany, we've got Muro in Slovakia. Come on, we've got all these people. How, how many know our vision gets enlarged and we go, hey, we could actually touch nations. We, we could touch nations because we're together and it's not an institutional togetherness. It's a relationship by choice. Saying God's called us together and He's put His inheritance in us. And it's for us to let the world know. Yeah, the church ain't perfect. There's a lot of clay in the church. But there's also treasure. There's treasure. It's in you. It's in this environment right now. There's treasure in our west location. Come on, there's treasure out east. And he's put his inheritance in the saints. You know how I want people to go, how do they do that? And I want us not to be able to give an explanation other than, I don't know, it was God. It was just God. God brought this about. Which brings me to the third thing. Number three is, get this, I like this. He prayed. He said that they may experience the mighty power available to those who believe. That they may experience the mighty power. Mighty power, I like that. Here's the thing. How much power would God invest if you just believed? Here it says in this verse, He he gives the mighty power that's available to those who believe. I'm not gonna camp here, but I love the story of Nehemiah. And this is what I wanna finish with. Nehemiah hears about how the walls of his home city have been broken down. And he's burdened by God to do something about it. He goes, I can't just stay in this other land. I've got to go back and do something. Many people see the devastation and the destruction that's happening in the world, but they're not burdened to do anything. My prayer is that we get burdened enough to act. We get burdened enough, not just to give our opinion, but just to actually engage And Nehemiah, he leaves where he is and he goes back to his home to rebuild the walls. And he says this, I said to them, you see the distress we're in. How come Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire? Come, he's saying to the group of people, come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of how the hand of my God, which had been good to me, was, and also of the king's words that he has spoken. So he was serving another king and the king said, hey, go back and if you need anything, I can help out. So he spoke it. And so they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. What I'm really praying is there'll be a group of people in this place, Dream Sunday, November, 2022, they will just say, hey, this next season, we're gonna rise up and build. Come on, like Nehemiah, he shared. He said, let's arise and build. Let's do this thing. But how many know when you determine to do anything, there's always gonna be a level of opposition? And there was these guys, when Sembalad and Tobiah and Geshem heard, they laughed. Ah, you know what, you know. And they despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? And it's like every time you set off in a dream, and I'm gonna talk about you know, some of the biggest opponents to dreams. In fact, a spirit that I believe has been operating in the world today that's really causing people to, to, to hold back. I'm gonna speak about that tonight because we need to overcome this spirit if we're to really live in everything that God has for our life. And, and here they laughed and they mocked him. But he, Nehemiah said, so I answered and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, his servants will arise and build. My question to you today is, will you arise and build? You gotta understand, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall. For 70 years, people had tried to rebuild the wall. 70 years they tried hard and they got nowhere. They were disappointed, the disillusion and a reproach had come on them. 
What are these Jews trying to do? Even if they try it, they won't succeed and there's something inside each and every one of us. There's questions. The very thing that God's birthed. For 70 years they tried, but Nehemiah comes along and he's able to accomplish in 52 days what previous generations were unable to do in 70 years. Nehemiah's name means comforter. There's somebody else who goes by that name in the New Testament. It's the Holy Spirit. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do, what religion can't do. And he was able to, in 52 days, accomplish what previous generations hadn't been able to do in so many years. I wanna declare over your life. I wanna declare over our church. And I've been declaring this over many places around the world. I wanna declare 52 days of breakthrough. Come on, 52 days of breakthrough. Where you've tried hard and it hasn't worked. Where you'd be slogging your guts out and you're overwhelmed. I wanna declare this is your day. Come on, with the Holy Spirit with His power, with His mighty power that's available to those who believe, I believe we're gonna see significant breakthrough. I believe in for families, when you go back to your family at Christmas time, something's gonna shift, something's gonna change. Family members are gonna inquire, they're gonna ask, they're gonna encounter God. Come on, how many can believe that with me? Come on, I believe right now where people are struggling financially, I'm praying for a release. Some of you, it's like, man, it's hard right now. But I love the fact that as believers, we get to live off His economy. We put in His principles, something supernatural kicks in. 52 days, I think that takes us to about the first or second week of January. Go on, many people are just like, oh, I just need to get to the end of the year to <laughs> relax. I know it's heavy, hard and different things, but I wanna put faith in your spirit so that when you come into the holidays, you've got a framework. God's gonna speak, God's gonna move, God's gonna do miracles. Come on, God's gonna release the supernatural in this season. I believe we're gonna see revival break out, whole households getting saved. Come on, at Christmas time, we're not just gonna buy presents for one another. Come on, we're gonna encounter Jesus at a new level because we've got faith and we've got expectation and we, we believe that His mighty power, His mighty power is available to those who believe. Some of you, I feel it, it's like you've been part of the crew that have been trying for 70 years. Some of you aren't that old, but you've been trying a long time. But I just wanna say it's a new day and God wants to commission you where there's a power. Come on, you have what you need and it's inside of you. Thank you, Jesus.